Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. gentlemen welcome to another episode of two peas on a podcast we're still doing this can you believe it gerald is with you thank you so much we have another fun top five for you this evening and a frequent guest and collaborator of mine and dare i say friend of mine is back as well nick from nikolai's kitchen you know this guy nick haskins what's up man welcome back to the peas brother how are you it's good to be here, man. Thank you very much for having me back. Uh, you're you look beautiful as always. I do. I don't always do video calls, Nick, but when I record with you, I have to because I, I I can't do it any other way. I don't want to see just some picture of your podcast logo. No, I got to see yeah. that just chrome like the reflection on your head's hurting my eyes just a little bit, like just a little. Yeah, it's a little turn on the brightness, but yeah, it's a little blinding. I apologize for that. <laughs> I should have worn a hat this evening. I apologize. Why, Gerald? Oh man! Well, Nick's here, you know, and we do—we're friends. We—I I did live stream with him last year, live stream for the Cure, which was great. You had that event coming up again this year, as you do every year, and we've just gotten to know each other over the last four or five years, and it's been a blast. You know, I, I, it was funny because I came to your place last year. We did live stream for the Cure just to give everybody a little backstory that might not know, and. You were saying to me that you've been podcasting for so long, and I was the first person, aside from people that you knew already, that you had met through this game of podcasting. And that's a, isn't that crazy? It's 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 really really crazy. A lot of it, I mean, honestly, has to do with the situation I was living with for yeah, the majority of the yeah. time I'd been podcasting, because a lot of that stuff was uh, forbidden. And then you know, right when that ended, uh, COVID happened, so that also prevented <laughs> right. you know a lot of that kind of stuff. So yeah, you you. Were still remain the only the only crazy, uh, podcaster man. that i met online that i've actually met in person which yeah that is insane to me because i am hitting i'll hit six years this july yeah. Uh, yeah. since i started podcasting you know i met you and that was great and like i said we have a great friendship now and i knew dan because he moved down here i got to meet him because he lives close by now he was a friend of yours i guess prior to podcasting really back into college days yep. from college yeah and i've met justin winters when he came through on a flight but it was for like five minutes you know and he he gave me a little handy real quick, and then that was it. He was on his way. Well, I know what the, the, the great thing about winners is, is I mean, right now, like when we're recording this, I actually haven't listened to the final one yet, but you and Caleb are doing the Fifty Shades series. So yeah. I, the Fifty Shades Freed, I think, just came out on the Netflix and Swillfeed, I think. Mm-hmm. And I've still got to I've still got to, to give that one a listen. But wow. like you listening to you and Caleb deconstruct those films like and go for the jugular on those it like i went and watched 50 shades freed in the theater to review that with winners on wow. his show dedication. on his show dedication it was me and a whole bunch of middle-aged women on opening night watching 50 shades freed and i mean man you guys have been selling <laughs> as hard as anybody just to how bad they are. And they really you guys are. are hitting every point, they every re- single bullet point. They really are, man. It, it was it was tough to get through. You know, it was tough to get through. But at the end of the day, it was a blind spot that for some reason I was happy I corrected. I don't really know why. But I guess you know why? Because you got to turn it into a fun podcasting conversation yeah. with Caleb. So it turns it into like, like I said, me and winners, like winners. When I was on Epic Film Guys, winners came on EFG because I, I kept making fun of him for whatever reason. This was years ago now. But mm-hmm. and then he challenged me. He's like, all right, fine, Nick, watch it. Mm-hmm. And then I did. And he came on the show and reviewed it. And then we pledged to do the other two films together. So we did them back to back. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, I love winners. I love recording with yeah. him. So it was great. So yeah, it's that, that's why, man, it's a good, it's, it's all about good podcast podcasting memories which is why you know why we have the rapport we do we love to chat back and forth we give each other like leagues and i mean just dump trucks full of shit all the time oh, non-stop i mean you have to <laughs> non-stop but it all equals love dude it all does and that's it, what all, I, that's it all what really I, really does that's what i love about you for sure so 
this is going to be airing in April, Nick. So we're a month, month and a half away or so from live stream for the cure. So why don't you just tell everybody about that? You know, if they don't know about that event, just kind of tell them a little bit about it and where they can find it and that kind of thing. And then we'll get into our top five here momentarily. So, yeah, so head over to livestreamforthecure.com and that'll kind of give you the Facebook page, which is the hub where I'm trying to kind of direct everything this year for the event. But, uh, you know, for the past five years, I've hosted an event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute. They do research into cancer immunotherapy, which is training the body's own immune system to fight against cancer. So they're fighting for, and we're fighting for ostensibly by raising money for them, a future immune to cancer. I mean, just think about that in your head for a moment. What a world that would be. I mean, especially we're fighting through this pandemic. We're dealing with like this, this crazy illness that we're all having to deal with right now. Mm -hmm. But you know, a future immune to cancer. So for the past four years, we've raised $30,000 for the event. Mm. And, you know, we're going to be trying to raise $15,000 for this year's event, five days, May 19th, May 23rd, uh, and over 50 hours of programming from great podcast partners and content creators from around the world, including yourself. Uh, and you will be on site with me again, mm. running the event and, you know, helping make sure everything goes smoothly. Probably yeah. actually what you'll do is you'll buy a bunch of beer and <laughs> I will. You'll, I will. you'll show up and you'll just drink the whole time <laughs> that's accurate i'll drink most of the beer that i bring but i'll give you guys a few of them uh, i'll do whatever i can man and you know i got i got my wife to sign the permission slip for this year so she's perfect. like she's like whatever man just head up there so i don't know that's if me perfect. and dan are renting a car and coming up together i don't know what covid is going to look like in an airplane come may i'm not sure yet but anyway i'll, yet I'll to be, be there. decided I'll be there. Yep. So a lot yet to be decided, but uh, you know your your help on site was invaluable last year. Me, you, and Dan last year we had a blast. We yeah. just had a lot of fun going back and forth and watching. I mean, in between breaks and in between like little quiet moments and segments, we were watching what what was that god awful movie Julio Sliver. Swatch Sliver Sliver. That's oh wow. My god. Holy fucking shit. Just like watching that. Like, remember with like the closed captions and like in, in between like little bit parts, like in the pre recorded segments when we were airing those? Yeah. We're trying to like squeeze in this really garbage Sharon Stone. <laughs> we were. We were watching in between all the other podcasters, like in on their breaks Just, and stuff. Man. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Oh, it's good times. I'm looking forward to it and I always love getting together with you in person, of course, but also here on the show. So this was a topic you just texted me a couple months ago, Nick, like out of nowhere, like in the middle of the night, I get a text from Nick and all it says is top five dinner scenes, book it. <laughs> so this is a yep. topic that you wanted to do. Tell the people a little bit about what we're counting down tonight and why you kind what made you think of this topic? Well, I mean, I'm, obviously I run a food related podcast. Yeah. Food is very, very important to me and film is very, very important to me. And I love meal scenes or, you know, dinner scenes or what have you in film. Yeah. Uh, they are in some films and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the different scenes as they come up here, like some pivotal scenes or some famous scenes in films that are, that are also, uh, that are also dinner or food related. So it's just something you haven't done on the show before and right. i wanted to get back on here and, and jaw with you about movies and i was like here i all i have to do is throw a topic at you and yeah. you're like on the mic three seconds later so. absolutely and it was yeah. a great topic and i'm looking forward to it and my wife got heavily involved in helping me come up with my list for this one nick because you pitched it to me and i was like uh, first of all nick haskins could pitch anything to me and i'm gonna do it so you could send the craziest fucking topic to me and i'll fix top something five out. hollywood dongs <laughs> yeah hey i could do that one pretty easily actually <laughs> don't ask me how but i could <laughs> um but you know so i'm like yeah let's do it i don't care whatever it is i'll do it with you and i started kind of thinking about it about a week ago when i knew we were going to be recording and that was kind of like i don't i couldn't think of any except for like two right away and I'm like, why can't I think of any really good dinner scenes? And my wife, ironically making dinner at the time, starts like kind of just giving me all these different movies. I'm like, oh my God, yes, that one, that one, that one. And I like pull out my phone. So she was very pivotal in helping me kind of like jar my memory to come up with some of these. So when you pitched the topic or when you were thinking about your research, was this an easy one for you to settle on your, because of course you did 10, right? Because you're on the P's. I mean, I'm the no, only top five show that does a top 10. So did you? I, I did not do, I did not do 10 because this is a top five. <laughs> show so i well i have you know a few honorables. a few okay was it easy for you to come up with your this list? was easy for me with the with the with the with the qualifier that i narrowed this brief so like when you put this out there to the listener community that you have mm -hmm. and people were pitching out a lot of different scenes some great scenes but scenes that i wouldn't consider for this list because to me it has to be specific that they sat down, the characters sat down for a meal, mm -hmm. are eating a meal, or that was the intention of the scene, not 
there happens to be a character eating in a scene okay. or a scene that happens to be set like in uh in a restaurant or in like a place where they serve food okay. you know like you think like uh, like inception the scene in the cafe outside where uh leo's character is explaining to ariadne the way that dreams work well they're technically at a cafe right, right. so if you want to skirt the brief and make it super wide then you could say oh that okay. totally qualifies i wouldn't count that though because the whole point of that scene is just to give exposition for the plot they're not actually eating they're not actually like having food enjoying you know? so their I, meal right Anything like that, I completely omitted from the list. So. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I praise you for that, A. But B, you might be talking shit to me about my number one then. But I I, I think it still is okay, though. Like, I mean, we'll see. But you know we'll what? See. You love to give me shit anyway, so that's fine. Whatever. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i tell you what, Nick. I'm going to take a quick promo break. When we come back, we're going to get into our top five dinner slash meal scenes for movies. I'm really excited. Nick's here from Nikolai's Kitchen. We will be right back and we'll give you our top five. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there's a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. All right, guys, welcome back. So Nick is here from Nikolai's Kitchen. We're going to do our top five dinner or meal scenes from movies. I just want to apologize up front, too, because I'm under the weather, so I feel like I sound like a congested squirrel, Nick. (laughs) Sorry, I feel like I feel like somehow uh, somehow sickness. your voice has lowered even more <laughs> octaves, and like my dick is oh, even harder man. than it normally is when we record. But so we, I'm here <laughs> for nice. it. Nice. So I had to push. We had to push the recording, guys, because I was really sick yesterday, and today I'm just kind of somewhat sick. So nothing's going to keep me away from Nick for 48 hours. So I'm back. Uh-uh. We're we're here. No, 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 no. All right, man. So why don't you get us started? Our top five dinner scenes. What's your number five, brother? What do you got over there? All right. Well, this one's probably the one that skirts the furthest away from my brief, and they kind of track up the list that way. They get, you know, more and more on the brief as as they go up. Uh this one's from one of my favorite films of all time. Also one of the most famous films of all time, Gerald. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a little film from nineteen forty one called Citizen Kane. You love this one. I love this film. And in this film there is an extremely I mean, even if you've never seen the film before, a lot of people are really, really aware of the breakfast scene basically, which is a series of shots. It's actually not one continuous. It's a series of shots that kind of spill over this huge chronological, you know, period of time wherein, you know, Orson Welles character Kane and uh, his new wife, Emily, they start the scene. They are enamored with each other. They're sitting down for breakfast. They've been up all night partying and drinking and dancing and all this stuff. They're so in love with each other. And then as each scene progresses as each little snip in here progresses these two characters get more and more at each other's throats they become more and more kind of you know angry with each other they're fighting they're arguing and the scene ends you know as the camera pulls back from the table this you know at the beginning of the shot they're really close to each other they're sitting at opposite corners where they can touch each other at the end shot they're sitting at the ends of this really really long table way way far away from each other and she's actually reading the rival newspaper the chronicle Mm. uh, at the other end of the table just to spite him Mm. because they are so alienated it's an incredibly famous scene in the film if you've ever seen the film uh, you know what it is, but I, I saw, had to put it in here. I saw this movie in college for a film class, and I got to be honest and come clean with you, I haven't seen it since. And I remember at the time thinking, you know, this is amazing, but I, I just didn't. I know you love this movie, so I don't want you to hate oh, me. Yeah. I don't want you to hate me beyond belief, but I just haven't revisited it because I remember it, thinking of it as a chore, but I wonder if it's because it was for school. Do you know what I mean? So I need to give it a revisit. But I, one thing I wanted to ask you, by the way, because I heard your guest spot over on Netflix and Swill a couple months ago. So I thought that Mank was like going to be your bread and butter. Like I thought you were going to fucking love that movie because of the Mank Citizen was, Kane connection. You're right. It, it should have been. It should have been pretty much made for me, but yeah. I mean... Uh, 
the, one of the big things about Citizen Kane was back in what the early seventies, Pauline Kale, who was a film critic, uh, you know, she tried to basically discredit Orson Welles and give all credit for the film to Mank. Nah. Uh, that was thoroughly debunked by film scholars decades ago. Uh, but it's like David Fincher's dad was like, no, she was right. And then he like, that was what he based that okay, screenplay right. on. Okay. And that was the kind of point of view that that film approached. I gotcha. And okay. like, it's, it's just, it's just not factual. And like that immediately took me out of the movie. Oldman's great in it. And like, there's a lot, and I mean a lot of homages to Citizen Kane in that film. Like what, especially when they're shooting in San Simeon mm-hmm. at uh, William Randolph Hearst's castle. But right. I mean, yeah, that, that point of it alone. And then there's that whole subplot with it shifts chronologically jumping back and forth chronologically. I don't think that works necessarily quite as well. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of Mank either. I mean, I thought it was a, a good movie. Like it's a, technically a, sound. It's, yeah, it's, it's very well made, but it's Fincher. Of course. It yeah, is. of course. It's a great film. I mean, behind the camera, in front of the camera, you got a plus top notch people. So it's a marvel to look at and, and you know, it's a feat, but I just didn't connect to the material, but I, I don't know. I, I was just surprised because I know how much you love Citizen Kane. So I'm like, Oh, Nick's going to fucking literally jizz yeah. all over his TV screen when he watches us. And I wanted to, and that's what I went into that movie hoping to do. And I was just so bitterly disappointed, but I mean, it was a movie that should have been made for me. But like I said, I mean, you're dredging up, you're dredging up something that film scholars debunked decades ago. Yeah. Like it has no more relevance. It's just not true. Like they compared, the shooting drafts and the written drafts of the scripts that both Wells and Mank worked on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's definitely contributions, major contributions from both of them in there. Right, so, right, for sure. All right. So I didn't mean to get off on a Mank discussion there, but your number five was the breakfast scene from Citizen Kane. I feel like <laughs> I'll have to go back, Nick, but I feel like every time you've come on the show, you've mentioned Citizen Kane. <laughs> I, I probably have. I, I, I mean, feel like you know, it's, I feel like it's made every list that we've done together. <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> honest to God. It's it's not it's not hard to do. All right, man. So my number five is a movie that I think you are a fan of, if I recall from your days on EFG. But it's from it, it possibly want to give a little disclaimer here. Might be contentious because of the actor that is helming this scene and really most of this movie. But it's from 1999's American Beauty, and it's a scene when the family is sitting down to dinner. And Kevin Spacey's character, Lester, I mean, the movie really is about him going through his midlife crisis to begin with, but it kind of comes to a head during this dinner. And Annette Benning is trying to be this prim and proper mom and wife and, you know, like the white picket fence, like you would see in, you know, the leave it to beaver days or whatever. And he's just kind of over it. And he, and the daughter's there as well. And they're trying to have dinner together. And the scene culminates with him throwing his dinner against the wall in anger. And then he sits back down and like, would you please pass the asparagus? And he's all calm, you know, and he starts talking about another thing. We're not going to listen to any more of this Lawrence Welk shit. You know, going forward, each one of us <laughs> is going to choose the music for dinner. So, look, I know it's a Kevin Spacey like scene, like it's like one of those Oscar scenes for him or whatever. And he actually did win the Oscar for this movie. But regardless of him being a piece of shit outside of a film, which we all know he is now, this is a masterful scene. And Sam Mendes did a, a tremendous job at directing that scene because it really shows the breakdown of the modern American family, I feel like. Oh, yeah. And husbands and wives fight and families fight. And oftentimes it happens around the dinner table. So this is not a quote unquote fun scene, but from this movie, this scene, I will never forget this scene. Like I always have that in my mind when I think of American Beauty and then a scene with Chris Cooper as well. Those two scenes are just always in my mind. This is one yeah. of my favorite films. I feel like it was one of the best films of that decade in the, in the 90s. And uh, I feel like it deserved all the praise it got. I know it's a little contentious now, but you obviously know the scene I'm talking about, right, Nick? You're a fan of this flick? Yeah, so two two things about that scene. Uh, number one, that was actually improvised by Spacey. He was just supposed to drop his plate. Uh, so the reactions from Annette Benning and Thora Birch are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, this is so fucking low, Gerald. <laughs> Oh, so, okay. Oh, All right. goddamn low. Okay. All right. So low. <laughs> All right. Possibly yeah. a little spoiler alert there, huh? Yeah. Big, well, big spoiler. Yeah, way too. I mean, this is, I mean, American Beauty is my number two of all time. Like, I adore okay. it. Like, yeah, Spacey's a piece of shit now, but his performance in the film is still masterful. All the performances in the film are incredible. Alan Ball's script is beyond words. Thomas Newman's score is so haunting. It's a beautiful film. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Chris Cooper is probably my favorite performance in that Chris movie. Chris Cooper is incredible. So Ooh, good. So man. good. So good and haunting. And yeah. 
but that movie's just real, man. It's, it's, it's a movie about a midlife crisis. I know it sounds like you're maybe going to be talking about it later, so I won't cloud it too much. But that's my number five. You know, I, I know you think it's low, but I don't know the spacey factor, man. It messes everything up. I hate that. I try not to do that, but I'm like, because he's really, See, he's really the the like foundation of this scene. He is the foundation of the film, so I, I get it being problematic for people, yeah. you know. But I mean, it's Sam Mendes, you know, world class director who's gone on to direct, you know, like Skyfall, 1917, like the list goes on. His filmography is amazing, mm-hmm. amazing stars like Annette Bening, Chris Cooper, like you mentioned, Allison Janney even pops up in it. Alan Ball again, great, great script. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, there's too many other great artists that did amazing work on the film for me to discredit it just because one dude's a piece of shit. No, I get you. you know? I'm, I'm, I'm of the same mind. So I just titled that the No More Lawrence Welk scene from American Beauty. Because <laughs> <laughs> that cracks me up every time. I that think I love. That I absolutely love. So you had Citizen Kane's breakfast scene at your five. What is your number four, buddy? All right. Well, my number four, this is a film... Uh, also a P's favorite for me, I'm realizing as oh, I look okay. at my list, but also a P's favorite for me. Uh, I picked this, if you remember, in the top family films oh, okay. countdown that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, it's Rob Reiner's Stand By Me. Okay. And specifically, there's a scene, they go to uh, you know a butcher store earlier on in the film and you know they throw their change up on the counter and they get, I, I can't remember, like a pound or two of hamburger or whatever. And then uh-huh. there's a scene where they're sitting around a campfire in this film. So this is right before okay. Gordy tells the whole lard ass story uh, about the pie eating contest, the Barfarama, which I thought about, but I'm not going to include that in not the brief because really. okay. it's not a meal, it's an eating contest. So I discounted it on that basis. But they're all cooking, they all like wadded the meat up around the end of a stick and they're just cooking it over a stick and they're eating it off the stick and then they're all going around the yeah. campfire and they're all telling, telling stories. stories and, yeah. You know, Mickey's a mouse, Donald's a duck, Pluto's a dog. What the hell's goofy? Yeah. Like just that amazing scene where they're going around the campfire and all just the young boys like in that age and the time of their lives. And you know, yeah, you know what? That's right. What the hell is goofy? Like they just yeah. have that back and forth. And- I love my favorite <laughs> delivery Man. delivery in that scene is when they're like, why don't you cook your dick? And he's like, be a small meal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yes. uh, I, I love that scene. That scene is so so amazing. And then like it's it's hilarious. Like Vern's cooking his on the end of the stick, and it falls in, and they're all making fun of him. And then he manages to somehow fish it back out of the fall. All the dirt oh, and shit all over it, and ash and everything. He's like, I "Got you guys. The joke's on you." And then they oh, have a man. smoke. And no, there's nothing like a smoke after a meal. When I smoked, like way back in the day, I used to say that all the time when I would smoke after I ate. Nice. <laughs> I didn't think I about scene, I didn't though. think about that one, man. Kind of like cooking s'mores around the campfire or whatever, but that's a good yeah. one. Stand by me. I still count it. I favorites. mean, they're still sitting. They're yeah. still sitting down for a meal. They're I ha- count it. They're having a meal, and that is no surprise. One of my favorite films of all time. So I love it. I love. If it's the-, the brief here better than the family films, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know you got me with that one. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. All right, so my number four is a Christmas classic. It is uh, Christmas Vacation, Nap- National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ooh, nice. From 1989, when they sit around a Christmas dinner. <laughs> There's so many things in this scene uh, that are just the best to me. But probably what gets me the, the most and makes me laugh the hardest, literally every time I've watched it, and I've seen it at least 50 times, is when Aunt Betsy, I think, gives the she has to give the grace. And first of all, she can't hear because she's like losing her hearing, you know. So they're all like yelling at her like they want you to do Grace. And she's like, Grace, she died 30 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) And they're like, no, do the blessing. And so she's like, oh, okay, I got you. And so everybody gets quiet. And then she starts doing the Pledge of Allegiance, you know. (laughs) And fucking Randy Quaid stands up and puts his hand on his heart. (laughs) They're all like doing the Pledge of Allegiance in, in sync. Uh, it's the best, man. There's a lot of st- this scene goes on for a few minutes, and it's great, man, because that's hilarious. And then you have the cat is while they're eating dinner, the cat's chewing on the Christmas lights on the Christmas yeah. tree. Oh yeah, <laughs> and ends up frying himself. You know, oh yep. man, it's just so funny, and it's and it's the familial feeling that a lot of us get at Thanksgiving and Christmas time, where there's like. So many different personalities from our extended family come together and they get around the table. And it's kind of like a, ch- a chore to get through it almost. 
but yeah. but it's your family at the same time. You know what I mean? So there's something endearing about it. But are you, are you a fan of Christmas Vacation? You know the scene I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of it. I haven't watched it in quite a while, to be 100% honest. It's been quite a few years now since uh, the last time I watched it. But, I mean, yeah, Christmas classic. Like, how how can you? I mean, it's a great, great choice. It's a great choice. And I've seen it. I, I saw it pop up on, like, the, the, the listener community as well. I mean, it's. It's iconic. It's a great scene. Yeah, I mean, whenever she gives the Pledge of Allegiance, I just lose. <laughs> like, and they all just go, they all just go with it. The whole family's doing it. You know, it's great. Oh, oh God. man! Uh, all right, so Christmas vacation. The Christmas dinner scene is my number four, and we are over to you for your three. Nick, what do you got, buddy? All right. Well, my number three is uh, another movie. I'm sure I've talked about on this show before at one point or another because it's my favorite movie of all time. It is the dinner scene from About Schmidt. Oh, you uh, actually haven't talked about it on the show before. I Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, about Schmidt, Jack Nicholson, uh, you know, where he retires and he's kind of trying to search for meaning in his life. I've talked about it on a number of other shows lately, but this film is me. If you just watch it, this film is me or it's the, you know, at least the kind of things that I think about a lot, you know, kind of on a daily basis. But there's a scene in this film where Warren has been going all over the country you know, Warren's Jack Nicholson's character trying to kind of figure out what he's going to do with his life and whatever. And he ends up in Denver because that's where his daughter lives and his daughter's getting married. So he sits down to dinner for the first time with their family. And I'll never forget it. They have this big round table with a big giant lazy Susan in the middle of it, you know, where they just spin it to get like to the food wherever they want it. And it's just like, he is this stuffy upper middle class white dude elderly retired just sitting at this table kind of aghast at like these slobs that are just like slopping food onto their plates and just like making all sorts of messes and like all this weird (laughs) dinner conversations like you know they bring up this pyramid scheme that the son randall is involved (laughs) right his brother's complaining and then they're talking about all this different stuff and then like his mom is there and then his dad but his dad's new wife is there and the mom and the new wife are sniping at each other it's just and warren like is like a deer in headlights the whole time just sitting there like like what the hell is happening like and then there's a scene like after that where he's like trying to talk his daughter out of marrying this guy when he's like look at these people (laughs) it's just it's such a great scene and i mean like one scene just kind of paints like the entire picture of this whole entire family perfectly in like two or three minutes. It's just absolutely perfect. I love it so, so much. Can I tell you something? Never no. never seen it. Get out. Never seen about Schmidt. Can you believe that? Get up. I'll, I'll finish the rest of the show. You right. just you hang just, up the call. All right. You just do the rest of the episode and send me the audio <laughs> after. I know you love this movie. I've heard you mention on on other shows before, and I think maybe I, do. I, I, I think it. maybe I've even heard you mention on EFG back in the day. But oh, easily. I yeah. just yeah, I don't know why. I really want to see it because I do love Jack Nicholson, and I'm sure it's a great film. And you just killed it in your description there. But I just it passed me by, brother. What am I doing with my life, Nick? I mean, I've asked you that a lot of times since. <laughs> <laughs> Since I've gotten to know yeah. you, but I've never gotten a straight answer. Yeah, not seeing about Schmidt is the least of my problems. You're right. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's way down on the list, baby. All right, man. So, what would you call that yeah. scene? Just a dinner scene? That's just yeah. That's the dinner dinner in Denver. Dinner in Denver. I dinner guess. in Denver scene. Okay. Yeah. All right. From about Schmidt. So your number three. All right. My number three is uh, in my top ten movies of all time. Okay. Ooh. And it's a movie that I think you're lukewarm on because it's an '80s film. I don't know. Gross. Already. (laughs) But from 1985's Back to the Future, before Marty goes back to 1955, and he's sitting down at the dinner table with George and Lorraine, his parents, and the sister and the brother are there, and they're all having dinner around the dinner table. Everybody's kind of in a frenzy because the brother's on his way to work. He works at Burger King, you know? And his sister's there saying that his girlfriend called for him. And Lorraine starts going into this story about how she doesn't like when girls call boys. Because back in the 50s, you know, you never called a boy. You never sat in a parked car with a boy. And she's doing this whole, like, you know, mother's no, knows best type story for him. And it leads into the story about how Lorraine is is telling her children how she met their father. And it was at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance in 1955. And she's telling the story in this very, like you know, romantic and special. And the kids know the story because it's been told so many times. And so yeah. they start they start finishing her sentences for her. And the daughter's like, yeah, we know. You met him at the fish under the sea dance. <laughs> and, she's like, and she's like, no, it was the enchantment of the sea dance. And anyway, she's just telling this loving story. And you see George McFly, who's 
played to perfection by Chris McGlover in this film. And he's kind of like just there and he's sitting there kind of like he's listening. And it's such an amazing story. And he gets to the end and she's like, do you remember George? And then he's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and he starts laughing at the TV because he's watching the reruns of uh, the Honeymooners on yep. TV. And he wasn't even paying attention to her story. And the kids are just sitting there like, come on, dad. Like, you just messed up this whole romantic thing that mom had going. Uh, but it's great, too, because that scene seems so insignificant, right? It's like, doesn't really seem like it's a big deal. Yeah. But the whole story that she explained comes back into play later in the movie because we see the enchantment of the sea dance. We, oh, yeah. see, we see him being the peeping Tom in the street. You know, all the things that she kind of told us at the dinner table as the audience, too. So it's such a pivotal scene because it gives exposition for future scenes in the movie, but you don't know that when you're watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so tell me about your, your Back to the Future. Are you into this movie, or is this an 80s movie that you could do without? No, no. Back to the Future is great. I love Back to the Future. I mean, I haven't watched any of them in, 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 in quite a long time, but, well, I know... <clears throat> Did Justin go with me for that one? I think, I mean, that was back when Justin lived up here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, once upon a time, you know, we went down to, you know, a theater down in Moosic, PA, uh, the Cinemark down there with their classic series, you know, they screened all sorts of old films, but he and I saw, he and I saw Ghostbusters there. You know, and, uh, you know, that was another film that I know that I saw there at that theater because they were playing Back to the Future. I'm like, yeah, Back to the Future on the big screen. Like, you better believe I'm going to see that. So, yeah. yeah. But you remember this scene specifically, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and you're exactly right. Like, it sets the whole precedent for the entire film. Yeah. You know, (laughs) so it's one of my it's it's great. It's one of my favorites. Definitely one of my favorite movies of all time, for sure. So I just put uh, the George and Lorraine meeting story at the dinner table. From Back to the Future. That's my number three. We are up to our runner-ups. Nicholas, what do you got at number two, man? Well, I mean, this one, I am going to be shocked. I And I mean this, shocked, if this is not your number two or your number one. Oh, okay. Um, I, I would almost be willing oh. to rubber stamp a guarantee on it. I'm, I'm that sure. Interesting. I'm that sure because you, as we all, as everybody all right. knows, are the horror guy. Ooh. I'm holding up air quotes, audio audience. Um, it's one of the most iconic scenes, not just in a, a, a dinner scene or anything, but one of the most iconic scenes in a film, period. Mm-hmm. It's the chestburster from Alien, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not It's not in my top five. How's that not in your top? <laughs> are you kidding me? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my honorable mentions. This, I want it, it, I want everyone to remark right now. Just yeah. hang on. The horror guy does not have the chest burster in his top movie. Can I tell you why though? Time. Can I tell you why? I want Go you ahead. I want you to talk about it because I love whenever you talk about horror because it's such a rare thing. But the reason why this didn't make my top five ultimately is because I talk about this movie all the fucking time, bro. Like Alien has been on probably 50 lists that I've done. So I was just kind of like, all right, I'll put it in my honorable mentions because Nick's not going to mention it. I'll talk about it later. So first of all, I'm shocked and proud of you that you mentioned it because I didn't think you were going to. (laughs) But yeah, I just kind of purposely omitted it because it got mentioned online. Like I said, I was struggling with coming up with dinner scenes in my head when you pitched it to me. And this one got mentioned by somebody online. We'll get to it later. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's a fucking meal. They're having a meal before all that shit goes down with Kane yep. and everything. But and I'm like, that's but I can't put it on my list. because I talk about it all the time. So I purposely kind of put it in my honorables. But I want I want to hear what you think of this, man. This is have you ever heard me tell the story about how this was the first horror movie I saw when I was eight years old on accident? Mm, I mean, probably at some point Bro, in your history, I'm sure I have. That's one of the reasons why my penis doesn't work properly to this day. So, <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. So, what do you think about Alien, brother? I'm, I'm so glad you picked this, dude. Alien's a masterpiece, but I mean, you know, specifically that scene. I mean. You know, the rest of the film, I mean, it's got some tense moments and different things like that. There's an Ostromo's out there, goes to the planet, you know, face hugger, all that stuff. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you don't really know exactly where else the movie's going from here. Like if it's your first time ever watching it. But then, you know, as Ripley and like the rest of the crew are sitting down to have this dinner, you know, all of a sudden John Hurt's got a little indigestion. And, you know, he kind of all of a sudden is like, oh, God, oh, God, he's in all this pain. And then you just see like what looks like this like plunger or something trying to punch its way out of his chest and you're like what the hell's going on and then the alien just explodes out of course you know famously 
not uh Ridley Scott didn't tell the crew what was going to happen so they're all like right. yeah like terrified you know all the actors and everything but they all stayed in character for the scene so it's I mean it's just a great scene as the xenomorph the little baby alien rips its way out and scump scampers off you know into the ship and you know of course it'll grow up later and terrorize the rest of the crew but That's right. I mean it's just like an iconic scene of you know this whole movie is so tense up to this point it's got all these different mysteries of like what are these what's this creature what's this face hugger thing that was on him right all this stuff and and then this kind of takes the film now and like kicks it into fourth gear and the whole film basically it was tense before this mm-hmm. now it's tense times 10 because now there's this weird creature yeah, that ripped loose. its way out of his chest loose on the ship yeah and then when it starts killing people like it's just the darkness like they they did it so well because i mean it was just a dude in like a weird suit that didn't shoot very well so they had to shoot it really really dark and not at all mm-hmm. kind of the jaws syndrome like you know they couldn't shoot a lot of it because you know right it's just it's great it's a masterpiece it's just a masterpiece of suspense of tension why ridley scott didn't just stop there and thought he had to heave alien covenant and uh, Prometheus onto us. I don't know, but hey. well, aliens is great. So alien and aliens would have been enough for me. I agree with you, but yeah, you know, the thing with the chest burster. So I mentioned this scene, actually the scene <laughs> a few times on the show, but definitely, yeah. but definitely the movie probably at least 10 times, but it's one of my favorite horror films of all time. And it's one of the most impactful films in my life because when I was a young kid, seven or eight years old, I'll just tell this briefly because regular listeners are going to be like, oh, God, this fucking story again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I woke up in the middle of the night one night uh, and, you know, I kind of was going to go to the kitchen to get some water or something like that. But I, I don't know why I just felt the need to kind of like do it secretively. So I kind of like peeked out my bedroom door and it led into the living room, and my parents had rented this on VHS back in the day. And it was probably 82 or 83. And the scene that I was watching was the chestburster scene. So when I woke up and kind of like watched the movies through the cracked door in my bedroom was during the scene. So I don't know if you remember what your psyche was like at age seven, but <laughs> it fucked me up, all right? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I can imagine. fucking couldn't sleep for like a week after seeing that. <laughs> And I, and I couldn't get solace from my parents because I didn't want to tell them like, you know, that I saw it because they were trying to shield me from it. And they did, you know, obviously didn't want me to see it. So I never told my mom until like many years later, like, you know, 20, 30 years later, I told her like, hey, by the way, I, you know, I saw Alien when you and dad were watching it. She's like, what? <laughs> you saw that? I'm like, yeah, I saw it. So, yeah, that's why it it connected a lot of dots for her as to a lot of other things that have happened later in your life. She's like, like, okay, this makes sense. So it's all my fault for the VHS (laughs) rental. Okay. (laughs) Well, great pick, man. I love that movie. Everybody knows it. I'm so glad that you had Nick never brings horrors. That's great, man. You had horror on your list. I always love it when I can surprise you, baby. And I'm looking at my list and you got me worried now because I don't have any horror on mine, at least not in my top five, but a couple of my honorable mentions. But man. All right, you're so, never you're never allowed to call yourself the horror guy ever. Again. I know I got to turn nope. my card in, right? Yep. Look, dude, I'm gonna tell you right now, my runner up, my number two. All right, I, nobody's gonna say it's a great movie. Nobody's gonna, you know, probably even think about it. Honestly, for this for this list, I'm trying to remember if it came up in the fan feedback, but I don't think it did. There is no scene in film in the last like 20 years that has made me laugh as hard as I laughed when I saw this scene. For the first time, I mean. And then not only that, I just rewatched it on YouTube before we recorded and I could not not laugh. Like I was laughing just like I was seeing it for the first time. But it's when Vince Vaughn is getting a hand job under the table in Wedding Crashers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Great, great. The granny, the granny being homophobic. Yes. Yes. All of that. You got Chris, you got Christopher Walken, you know, Owen Wilson's courting Rachel McAdams. Bradley Cooper's there before his career blew up. This is one of his early roles. So weird to see Bradley Cooper in that movie every time I see him because I can't picture him in that role anymore. Like, you think of Bradley Cooper, you think of like American Sniper, like a star. Is born, yeah, like all the all the David O. Russell movies. Not this dude. It's come such a long way. Yeah, yeah. But the scene is definitely highlighted by Ella Fisher giving Vince Vaughn basically a hand job <laughs> under the table in front of her entire family, and he's trying to contain himself, and he keeps like knocking the dishes over his shit. He's banging <laughs> on the table. And, uh, you know, Owen Wilson's telling the story about a charitable organization they have. And Bradley Cooper's like, what's the name of it? 
and is right when Vince Vaughn is coming and he like bangs the table. He's like, holy. And Owen Wilson's like, holy shirts and pants. It's called holy shirts and pants. And we get without missing a beat too. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's instantaneous. Like the second after he's like, he picks it right up. It's great. But dude, the physical comedy from Vince Vaughn yeah. in that scene is just, I mean, it's absolutely, I, I just revel in the fact that he was able to just, just physical comedy. He's not saying anything. It's just his facial expressions. And then later, like when the scene's over and he sees Owen Wilson on the stairs and Owen Wilson's all like upset or whatever. And he's like, what are you upset about? I just got jerked off under the table in front of the whole family. (laughs) (laughs) I got some real problems, you know? Oh, Um, this is top tier Vince Vaughn for me. I love him anyway. Oh, yeah. um, But this is one of the better comedic performances from him, in my opinion. So, yeah. Wedding crashes for me, man. Easy honorable for me. I mean, very, very easy honorable for me. I just couldn't make room for it in the top five. But it's a, I, I actually rewatched it too when I was putting together clips for this too. And you're exactly right. Like, you laugh literally through the whole thing, like from start to finish. First, it's the physical comedy of him coming. And then, you know, I mean, granted, your mileage may vary with all the, all the, you know, the really, really homophobic granny stuff yeah but i still think it's really really funny when you know old senile people are yeah you know that's funny too yeah yeah that's their generation you know just go put them in the home now (laughs) and then then todd the 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 gay brother or whatever you know he's like i'm gonna go paint homo things and he like stares at vince vaughn Vince Vaughn's like what are you looking at me for (laughs) yeah yeah like the look vince vaughn gives him when when todd looks at him the vince vaughn's like what what huh (laughs) and then he ends up doing like a portrait of vince vaughn naked later or something like that oh that's great yeah Yeah, like that whole like that continues on from that dinner scene too like into like the overnight scene with with jane seymour like trying to seduce owen wilson because she's wasted it's just a crazy night yeah god and then and then at the end of the movie vince vaughn's like i'm taking the painting with me todd It fucking takes it with him. What a what a movie! Oh, I mean, it's man. a great great movie. Great pick, man. Great so pick. wedding crashers. It. The dinner scene is um, is my number two. We're up to our number ones, Nick. I'm excited, man. Uh, Nick Haskins had some horror on his list. It wasn't even me that brought the horror tonight, so I appreciate. I know. That. I think I know what your number one is, but Justin you- somewhere is smiling. Right he now. is. He is. Why don't you go ahead and talk about your number one, man? What do you got? Well, you know what it is already. It's American Beauty. It's the dinner scene. It's it's exactly for all the all the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, this is you know, so he's quit his job at this point. Technically, blackmailed his boss, you know, in order to get like a year severance and, and all this stuff. He's already found another job, but he comes home and you know he tells his wife this thing, and this she just goes on the war path about like I'm the only breadwinner now. You didn't consult me about any of this stuff. Right. You're so irresponsible. You're terrible. The whole time he's just like please pass the asparagus can i please have the asparagus thora birch meanwhile is like i am not sitting here for any of this and he like freaks out on her Mm -hmm. yells at her to sit down and like this whole back and forth fight Mm -hmm. just goes on and on and on like oh you think of that amazing shot just the whole table's in frame with her framed at the left him framed at the right thora birch right dead center and then, like, this this whole scene just erupts. And it ends, like I said, uh, Spacey improvised that. He wasn't supposed to throw his plate against the wall. But, yeah, stands up and just hucks his plate against the wall and, and ends the scene. And then sits down and just casually just scoops some asparagus and, and just <laughs> right. sits there and takes a bite. And then, yeah, that's you're right. We're tired of this Lawrence Welk shit. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's an amazing, it, it, it's an amazing, amazing, incredible scene. And, I mean, you could see in that scene, the great thing about it, is is from both Annette Benning and from Spacey. You could see years and years and years of marital tension and marital frustration. Like these are two people that may have loved each other once, but they despise each other. Right. They are not on the same path anymore. They are not even on the same planet anymore as far as anything right. is concerned. You know, and this is just years and years and years of frustration and tension just boiling over in this one scene where they just go at each other like hardcore yeah, and in the, anger. And the acting on the Explaining that scene is just out of this world. I Mind mean, blowing. I mean, phenomenal. You, you can't deny it. I mean, you, and that's one of the saddest, most tragic things about it is is Spacey's such a giant shitbag, but no one can deny that he he can act. Like the, right. like the dude, the dude's got chops as far as acting goes. It's just you have to watch all of his movies now and be like, I hate you even more now that I know you're such a piece of shit. Right. You know. Right. But I mean, this is like I said, this is my number two film of all time. I absolutely 
adore this film from the opening frame to the closing frame. It's 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 brilliant. It's literally brilliant. Well, so. you know, one of the things I always bring up when this film comes up on my show is my daughter's in film school right now, and she only has two movie posters on her wall, and one of them is American Beauty. So I feel like I did something right as a parent where I got her into that movie at, at a young age, and she you know appreciates the filmmaking aspect of it. And then the other one is Scream. So I do have a little horror uh, influence going in there for my daughter as well. But yeah. Also a great movie. Yeah. So I love The Pick Man and, you know, it was on my list too. I, I just feel like it's the, it's the picture of a, a, just a modern American family kind of breaking down right before your eyes. And yeah. uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Everything you said was beautiful. So that's your number one. And that was my number five from American Beauty. My number one is a movie that you and I have talked about together before on this show before on the lost episode of Peas when we talked about Mr. Quentin Tarantino, but it's from Pulp Fiction and it's the scene in Jack Rabbit Slims when Mia goes to dinner with John Travolta and Vincent. Vincent and Mia have dinner at Jack Rabbit Slims. There's a dance contest going on in that scene. There's a scene where they sit down, they get waited on by Buddy Holly, which was portrayed by Steve Buscemi. Uh, the whole like aura of that scene is just like phenomenal to me because of all the different like Easter eggs and callbacks that are in the scene to different pop culture references that Tarantino was obviously influenced by to begin with, but that just make it such a fun watch for even a casual viewer even because there's so many things you can point out like, you know, John Travolta is this aficionado where they're talking about she sees uh, the actress there and she's like this Marilyn Monroe. And he's like, no, that's not Marilyn Monroe because she doesn't have the birthmark or whatever. <laughs> he like knows every fucking little nook and yeah. cranny of all these different characters that are yeah. being portrayed at Jackrabbit Slims. And then you get the great dialogue, right, between Mia and Vincent in this in this scene. And she does the L7 square on the screen and Tarantino, you know, does the little outline on the screen of that. Yep. And the $5 milkshake is hilarious. <laughs> he's like, I don't know if it's worth $5. It's pretty fucking good. Yeah, You know, just delivery and is amazing. And then it all culminates with the dance on stage when they do the, the twist of the Chuck Berry tune. So, yeah, this is the one that I thought you might give me shit for because you were mentioning one earlier before we started uh, the list about how it wasn't a meal and whatever, whatever. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're on a, not a date necessarily, but they're out to dinner together, right? I mean, this is okay. Well, see, I, I like this one because they're, 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 they're ordering food. Like, they get their food. Like, yeah. they're trying to eat their food, but they're so engrossed in the conversation. Like, the meal's a part of the scene, which okay. is why I – I mean, it's an honorable mention for me. Honestly, there were three different meal scenes I considered for Pulp Fiction. Ooh. I couldn't pick any of them. What are the other, so what picked, are the other two? I'm curious. Um, well, it's um, the intro with uh, you know oh, Tim Roth's right. character uh -huh, yeah. and, and Honey Bunny. And then the one that I would have picked if I would have put one of them in the top five would have been the ending between Jules and Vincent when they're back in that same bad restaurant yeah. having breakfast, you know, talking about, you know, bacon and, you know, bad motherfucker wallet, like you, like you said. Mm -hmm. But I love this scene as well specifically because this is the genius thing that Tarantino does in, in a lot of his films. And there's a lot of Tarantino in my honorables as well we'll talk about. But I love this scene as well because think about all the scenes that you have you have the great scene of of you know us meeting her at the apartment the the first time when he picks her up and then it's so lighthearted and it's so fun and there's a lot of great energy to it and then when they get home and she ODs like Tarantino just bam like it's that instant swerve of like a massive smack of tension mm -hmm. and holy shit now we're rushing to try to save her life and it's like it's crazy chaotic the way the energy in the film shifts on a dime like that and Tarantino's a genius mm -hmm. at that sort of thing so that scene like alone like all the different things that you said about it are perfect all the ways that they build on that and then like i said when you just kind of layer that in all the vincent and mia scenes leading up to her od and then like the race over to lance's house where they gotta <laughs> get the get the, yeah. the adrenaline shot and everything oh my god man well, he just put like, so just much it's just funny too that tarantino can put so much comedy into such a tense thing too because it's just like you just started talking about that i started get laughing shot <laughs> Yeah, a fucking felt pen, a fucking Sharpie. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best. Uh, it doesn't get any better. So the Jackrabbit Slims dinner scene from Pulp Fiction is my number That's one. That's good man. stuff, man. That's, That's good stuff. One. Good shot. 
So why don't <laughs> good shot? So why don't you round out your top five again, man? Just let everybody know what you had over there. All right, number five was the breakfast scene from Citizen Kane. Number four was dinner around the campfire in Stand by Me. Number three was dinner in Denver from About Schmidt. Number two, the iconic chestburster scene that Gerald for some reason doesn't have on his list from Alien. <laughs> Fair enough. And then uh, obviously just kind of the idyllic American family sitting down to dinner. American Beauty number one. Yeah, man. My number five was that was the Lawrence Welk shit from American Beauty. Damn Lawrence Welk shit. <laughs> My number four was the Christmas dinner and Christmas vacation. My number three was when George met Lorraine, the story from Back to the Future. My number two was <laughs> Vince Vaughn getting a little happy time under the table <laughs> in the Wedding Crashers. And my number one was Jack Rabbit Slims from Pulp Fiction. All right, Great man. Stuff. So I'm on the P's. I do the P's. So you know I got five honorable mentions here. What do you got over there for your honorables, buddy? I just got a whole slew of Tarantino. We already talked about all the different Pulp Fiction scenes and whatever. I wouldn't, like I saw some people in fan feedback throwing out the Big Kahuna Burger. That, to me, is a scene in which a character happens to be eating, not a meal scene. So I wouldn't have included that personally. Right. But Tarantino also has the amazing, I mean, think about it. His first film, the opening scene is Reservoir Dogs yep, at the diner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect scene. You've got uh, Django Unchained, another great scene, like when they're at the table talking about Broomhilda, and then that's the whole moment where oh, Leo smashes yeah. the glass, and like he inc- unintentionally cuts himself, and then he has this, smears the blood on Broomhilda's face, like yeah. what, a, what an intense, intense scene, and then like even, like I like this movie probably more than most, but uh, The Hateful Eight, when they all are sitting down and having mini stew, and you know, they're talking about the Lincoln letter, and like all these different conversations and whatnot going back and forth, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, Tarantino, and, and I was just thinking about this, and I probably omitted all of them from my list because how do you choose yeah. among any of those? You know, That's and a good point. I, I just like, and I, I saw people as well. I didn't put it in my honorables even, but like even the eating the strudel in Inglorious Bastards oh, as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. When Hans Landa's eating the strudel with the whipped cream. Yeah, and, it's, uh, not, it's not like sharing there. a meal, right? Yeah. Not really, but I mean, he orders her one, and just the tension of that scene as she's sitting there with like this dude that obviously iced her whole fam like dude I mean, tarantino does meals in like a way where they're either really he funny does. or they're really memorable or just like there's such a tension building bubbling up beneath the surface so i just kind of chucked a whole slew of them into my honorables just just for the sake of it all right well to round out my top 10 i my number six would have been the scene from beetlejuice with the deo scene banana boat are you a beetlejuice fan nick i have no idea what you're talking about all right well that's a good scene check it out <laughs> <laughs> my number seven would have been one you already mentioned, the chest burster from Alien. My number eight would have been Titanic, brother. All right. Wow. Yeah, Titanic. Really? When, when Jack gets invited to dinner with Rose and her fiance. Oh, what a tough dinner. Yeah. And he's like, but he's holding his own, right? And then it ends in this like really jovial Irish dance party, uh, you know, down below on the on the low deck, and Rose goes down there with him and just such a great I felt like a great way to connect us to the to the love story in that movie. I agree. Number eight is the diner scene from Heat. Michael Mann's Heat. When see, I wouldn't. I wouldn't account it. Eat. I wouldn't account it heat because they don't. They don't ever eat. They They're don't just eat. Sitting there having they a conversation. They just sit there. But yeah, why did they eat the food? I hate when movies do that when they get the food and then they don't eat it. I do hate that. Yeah, because that, that to me just makes the setting kind of like they could be anywhere having that same conversation. It doesn't matter. Right. The food's on a uh, pivotal. Right. And then uh, you mentioned my number 10 already was the breakfast scene about, the, you know, the tipping and everything from Reservoir Dogs. I don't tip. Yeah. What do you mean you don't tip? <laughs> That's great, man. I don't believe in it. <laughs> That's great. Just so good. <laughs> All right, so we're going to head over. Smallest violin playing just for the waitress. <laughs> we're going to head over to social media, Nick, and open up the old suggestion box to round out the episode. <laughs> Let's see what the fans had to say over there, buddy. Uh, Jared Taylor, patron and friend of the show, said Hannibal, The Last Supper, Pulp Fiction, The Jerk, The Great Outdoors, and Temple of Doom. Um, I am not familiar with any of those for the most part. The Great Outdoors is a good one. That's John Candy and Steve Martin. God, I must I must have probably seen that movie like 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one, though. It's an outdoor dinner they're having there. And then yeah. uh, Josh Ragland says Beetlejuice, so he agrees with me there. Joey DiCarlo from So Wizards says Breaking 2. <laughs> That's got – it's a bowl of sauce. I'm not – like the, that movie, like wow. I'm telling you, like that scene is hilarious. I died laughing the whole time I watched Breaking 2 because during that scene like seriously like if you watch that scene it's like she's just ladling out marinara sauce like that's their dinner is just a bowl of marinara sauce it's the funny i just laughed so hard when i watched that's funny that's funny 
Uh, our mutual buddy Brad from the Cinema Guy says Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, the five dollar milkshake, and Death Proof. He said, "Oh, you wanted more than just QT." <laughs> I mean, I gave him a whole slew in my honorables, but I I hate Brad. No, Brad, Brad Brad makes me suffer all the time by making me watch terrible movies, Battlefield Earth, and whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan, uh, our our aforementioned Dan that is on site with us for live stream for the Cure swooped in and put dead alive because he wanted to get it from Paul before before Paul could uh, <laughs> before Paul could mention it. I have I have no frame of reference for that. Uh Tony Dobbish says Mrs. Doubtfire, that's a good one. Where's That is a good one. Is that the one where his boobs catch on fire or is that uh No, that's the it's the classic sitcom gag where he's running back and forth changing in between oh, outfits right. to, yeah, to no. do the thing. Yeah, yeah, no. And another he actually has a lot of good ones. He has Meet the Parents. That's another good one. God, I haven't seen Meet the Parents well, since it came out. When fuck, when fuckers like, you know, you can milk anything with nipples and De Niro's like, well, I have nipples. Can you milk me? <laughs> and then he fucking knocks the cat's ashes on the whatever, and the cat or the cat knocks his mother's yeah. ashes to take a oh, piss yeah. on him. Yeah. yeah. And he also says Beauty and the Beast. I'm assuming he means be our guest. That's a good call. I like it. Uh, let's see. Uh, David Powell says, any of the meals from Stacy titles brilliant the last supper i've never seen the last supper have you no neither have i no no i haven't either uh michael hill says it's terrible but he laughed until he cried during the hercules scene from the nutty professor that's where yeah. eddie murphy's playing like his whole family at the dinner table yeah uh maggots from the lost boys joey mills mentioned that one that's where the food turns into maggots because it was like a figment of his imagination or whatever uh what else we got here nick let's see um didn't someone mention the troll 2 dinner scene in there <laughs> That movie is so fucking. Because I ended up watching. Oh yeah, Tony mentioned that one as well. You're right. Yeah, Yeah. I ended up watching that that clip again just to remember just how (laughs) like uproariously hilarious. And like the grandfather's like, you got 15 seconds to find a way to stop him from eating anything. The kid takes at least a minute. Like the scene just drags on in real time. He's like, you got 15 seconds, but then it freezes, and then he stands up on the table and pisses on the food. (laughs) Oh wow. And then the, the the dad drags him upstairs and he's like to punish him and throws him on the bed and whatnot. And he's like, you can't just piss all over the food. And then the dad starts undoing his pants. And you think the dad's going to piss all over the kid. You're like, what, what the fuck is happening <laughs> right remember. now? I don't remember that. Oh, need to, oh need my to, God. I, need, I mean, just like those performances, like those line deliveries are just rough, man. They're rough. <laughs> now, one that I almost wanted to put on my list, it would probably be my like my 11 or 12, but dinner at mom's house and goodfellas i know you're not a huge fan of that movie but do you remember that scene when i do yeah towards the beginning of the movie when they have the dead body in the trunk and yeah they go over to her house to like at late at night and she makes some pasta you know and then yeah. she has this painting and joe pesci's like oh my god that looks like our friend and it's the guy that they just killed us in the trunk and they're all just getting a laugh because it does look like him <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one um and then we'll end on uh nick speransky he said here's his five american beauty hook Mrs. Doubtfire, Ari Hart Huckabees, and Beetlejuice. That's his top five dinner scenes. Nice. So there you go. Thank you guys so much for the feedback. Nick Haskins, my actual friend and also my podcast guest every once in a while. Thank you so much for coming back. Why don't you tell everybody real quick to end the episode where they can find Nikolai's Kitchen because you're on this new adventure doing your food show, man. And it's great. I've, I've really enjoyed listening to it. I still haven't made any of the goddamn dishes yet because I want you to make them for me when I come up there, but... I mean, I'm, you know I'm going to feed you. You're you know the- I'm going to feed you when it comes to uh, to, to live stream Absolutely, for the cure. But man. yeah, if, if this is going to be airing in April, then the, the first season of Nikolai's Kitchen is actually going to be wrapping up on April 19th. And uh, I'm still going to be releasing short, quick bite episodes in between seasons. The next season won't premiere until Memorial Day. But All right. uh, yeah, com. I love to talk about scratch-made food and positive energy. Just I'm just trying to put good positive energy, love, and, and and goodness out into the world. So I talk a lot about that. I talk a lot about my own journeys and those kind of things. And yeah, just kind of different things I invent in the kitchen, which is uh, which is really, really, really fun. So I got to get you on. I'm going to be, mm-hmm. well, by the time this comes out, I'll have already piloted it with a couple of people, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm doing a new segment on there called Table for Two, where I just have content creators, podcasters come on, talk about a favorite dish of theirs. I'm going to do like a little kind of interview style thing and yeah. have a lot of fun with that. And 
you know, it's just a, it's just, it's just a really, really good positive time. I, I love to just pump it full of positive energy and good food and a clean show. It's a family show too. David Powell, actually, you mentioned him before. I actually just got a, a really amazing message from him mm-hmm. uh, the other day where he was listening to the show in the car with his kids and, you know, got kind of inspired. Oh, that's great. Made this prawn dish with pasta and everything. It's really, really great. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. I really, really love it, you know, and appreciate when people reach out like that. But, uh, you know, that's all I want to do is I just want to inspire goodness in people and just do good things in the world, you know? Well, you're doing it man i appreciate it and i'm a patron of your show and i i love you regardless of podcasting i love you in general but i've also really enjoyed listening to your show so keep doing what you do over there man and make sure you feed me when i come up there okay this, this, i'm uh, definitely i mean i'm gonna feed you but some of it some of it you're probably gonna you were in tears last year for the jerky oh, you're probably man. gonna be in tears even worse this year because you know we got to do spice challenge again you know we got all to, right that's fine so. just keep me away from olives or mushrooms and i'll be fine oh yeah no, no okay keep me away from those two because right, i wouldn't perfect. touch those with a 10-foot pole right, you're good perfect those are the two <laughs> foods i can't fuck with so uh all right nick you know i love you man i appreciate you coming back on the show and hopefully it'll you'll be back sooner than later man i appreciate it oh absolutely you know it all right guys we will be back next week. We will have another top five and another pee on the pod. Until then, take care. See you next time. Peace. Say la vie, say the old folks, go to show you never can tell.